That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. All right, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. Another repeat guest today, Dr. Michelle. I know, she's pretty great. I got she to go on so her great. podcast too, which yeah. was really lovely. That was feels like it was eons ago. But today we have Dr. Talia Marcagiani, or for the Italians out there, Marcagiani. Yes. Um, and she's a naturopathic <laughs> doctor of 10 years who has a focus in mental health, digestion, and hormones. And she has recently become a registered psychotherapist in qualifying to practice in Ontario. And she is a uh, senior Yorkie. What she has, not is. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you a dog. She has a senior Yorkie, Coco, who, uh, who hikes like it's 2010. And she's actually 14, which is really adorable. And she has a passion for surfing on the frigid water tundras of the Canadian Great Lakes. And I've witnessed this, like your Instagram stories give me life that you're just, and, and skateboarding you've taken up too. Oh, yeah. Like you're basically uh-huh. like your inner child is coming out full force and I'm here for it. And I super love it. Yes. My inner child that has access to a car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my inner child can drive. And <laughs> yes, I yeah. thought for a second you were going to be like, who's, reg- who's recently become a registered narcissist. <laughs> I thought that no. was good. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. Nope. Huh. Thankfully, no, because yeah. otherwise, I don't know if this conversation would be as fair as we would want. It to be. We probably wouldn't talk about it. No, we wouldn't. That's yeah. the funniest thing about this whole narcissism thing. Yeah. yeah. We talk about how you're the problem, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> if I was a narcissist, so, that's just that's just it. So yeah, we'll so have a clever title for this episode on narcissism here. Yeah, we will. <laughs> We're going to come up with something good for it. But uh, uh, we wanted to bring Tali on. Because this is, I mean, I've, I've had from various people talk about their interactions with narcissists. I find that some of the older generations, uh, the moms especially, I find a lot of my colleagues will comment about how their European mothers have narcissistic tendencies, right? There seems to be a common thread like that amongst some of my more European type like background friends. Um, I personally have someone in my life who I'm very certain it's a narcissist if you look up the textbook it'd probably be their picture beside it but like nine out of the nine diagnostic criteria (laughs) right so so it's an interesting topic because it's even from personal experience it's hard to navigate those waters it's hard to know how to continue a relationship with such a person or whether it's worth continuing a relationship and if you're really enmeshed how do you create healthy boundaries like it gets really it's really interesting because they love a gaslighting moment. They love a good <laughs> gaslight. They love a good gaslight. So yeah. talk to us a little bit, like, first, why don't you tell us a little bit, but like, what was the transition between naturopath to more psychotherapist and then lead us into a little bit about like narcissistic personality disorder, if you yeah. could. That's the yes. chain. So I'm doing both. I'm I'm still in ND and I'm doing my... Uh, practicum. So my internship as a psychotherapist. And I find like, it's very different to be, people ask me, they're like, oh, are you going to do both? Or like, how do you navigate it? But like, I feel like as NDs, I mean, there is counseling, but it's, there's more of a directive approach. And, you know, we're doing like the biopsychosocial, like we're, we're doing the assessment, going through digestion and, oh, let's, let's hear about your family. But with psychotherapy because probably because there's like weekly touch points like you you go deeper um and there's more exploration and you can spend time with themes and like you know uh, really get to know the person in a different way um and one of the themes that came up a lot like I guess this was a theme in my naturopathic practice but I never necessarily had the opportunity to explore it but this theme of betrayal trauma like mm. so many clients 
in the in the first few months of my practicum were dealing with various forms of trauma related to being betrayed by people in their lives, but even institutions. And so I started researching this, like, and understanding it. And then a lot of, you know, there's a lot of interaction with, like, potentially uh, cluster B type individuals in their lives. Although from a distance, we can't really diagnose them. Um, and even as a psychotherapist or naturopath, I can't diagnose them. But um, yeah, just it's interesting to to notice that and how destabilizing that is, like how confusing it is and how like many pieces are uh, like how long it takes someone to pick up all the pieces um, that fall apart during that kind of, that kind of experience, you know, Mm -hmm. where, um, where you lose trust in, in something really like fundamental to you, whether it's like a, a relationship or a person or an institution like a church or something like that. So yeah, narcissist comes up a lot in my discussions. <laughs> so betrayal you you see is a theme in terms of like etiology or or whatever that's happened in these persons' lives? In narcissist lives? Yeah. I think narcissism so narcissism is a this is one of the clusters. Maybe some B. definitions we should Yeah, yeah. Let's start talk about with. what it is. Yeah, it says cluster B. Uh, actually, I don't even know what's cluster A, but cluster B personality <laughs> disorders. I'm <laughs> just gonna skip that and go yeah, right yeah, to cluster B, guys. A. <laughs> like A is something else. You can Google that. Um, but cluster B is like a, a type of personality disorder. There's four of them, including narcissism. And personality disorders are like it's it's not a it's a mental they're mental health conditions, but not in the way of like depression where there there might be a biological component it's not necessarily across your entire life like a personality disorder is pretty like pervasive like it present in multiple contexts like if I'm a narcissist I'm going to be a narcissist here with my dog like at home at work like it's part of my personality and so the cluster b are narcissistic personality disorder borderline personality disorder antisocial which is like psychopathy sociopathy and histrionic um which i didn't even i'm gonna have to i think it still is called histrionic which is interesting um and to be to be so narcissist is diagnosed by um a psychiatrist or a psychologist and it's there's a dsm diagnosis but it's you know for it's it's difficult to diagnose first of all because there has to be signs. I'm just of, waiting uh, for this. I'm just waiting for this part. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Rarely narcissists are going to go and get, <laughs> thank you. Uh, like, get diagnosed. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's exactly. something wrong with me because yeah. they're perfect. Everything they're perfect. Is, I'm great. I'm, but you're the problem. Not oh, me. Yeah. You're the one that has issues. Oh, um, going to this. I was waiting for this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But also, there has to be like uh, proof of, of um, lack of functioning. So mm. it has to, like, you know, like you think of like addiction, right? Like, if, if you're in some ways in denial, you're not necessarily going to go get help. But if you're like, oh, my addiction is now starting to affect my work and relationships, then maybe I'm going to go to therapy. But someone might go to therapy if they're a narcissist for like depression or mm-hmm. um, something, you know, more something else. Acceptable. Yeah. The, right. Like your personality, like it's like the water that you're swimming in. Like you're not necessarily aware that other people have a different experience. Um but it's based out of, so you have to have five of the nine criteria, but these need to be, yeah. So it's usually like, I, I know there's one psychologist I follow who says it'll take him a couple years to diagnose somebody um, because it's like getting to know them over time and really understanding, you know, what their personality is like. But it's characterized by grandiosity. So, you know everything is like big fantastical like you're just this great wonderful grandiose person superiority a belief that you're special be you know more than anyone else and only like the most elite people will really understand you Uh, a need for admiration lack of empathy which is the big a big one entitlement exploitativeness arrogance haughtiness like getting upset like getting flustered when people are not respecting the um gift to god that you are and envy and but 
the thing is, so like the a narcissist that has like a big, like grandiose personality, superior, like high sense of high self-esteem, but this is a mask for a, a deep sense of inferiority, shame, worthlessness, um, that their ego constructs in order to shield them from those feelings. So they, the mask may fall where they feel that or they're in touch with that core uh, sense of shame and worthlessness and self-loathing, but it doesn't use, they're not sort of chronically in touch with that. So yeah. Are they in <laughs> touch at all? Like, no, not, not with my personal experience. That's a cognitive <laughs> yeah. dissonance that they just cannot, they cannot <laughs> handle it. Yeah. So they, they're so they're very, it's a defense mechanism, but yeah. a defense mechanism that like is, raw iron and, and and like and reinforced and like to the point where it like forms their personality so yeah they're never really going to be walking around like oh I'm having one of my shame moments or like I know about my you know me and my inner child like it's not there it's very rare that you're going to get that type of vulnerability or exposure like usually the mass is there to protect against those feelings and yeah. like that that and self-worth was- issue I was talking to a friend at a Christmas party recently um, and she is a professor and she works in like uh, psychology as well. And she, we were talking about this and I was sharing a little bit about this person um, because they know them as well. And they're like, the hard part is, is that when it comes to what we would classify as mental health, that's not something that most people come out of. Like you can support depression, you can resolve some symptoms of depression, anxiety. There's, there's ways to help people with therapy, with chemical medications or, or naturopathic therapies. But she was like, yeah, narcissism, it's a, there's a very low success rate. If, if any, probably for like those people, there's no vulnerability. That's like just all those, it. All those people you're talking about, like if you're depressed, you can yeah. imagine there's some tough guys depressed or yeah. tough gals depressed. But like at some point they might go, yeah, man, you know, I'm struggling a bit. And yeah. and there's just like a, a little bit of maybe reflection about it. I just don't. How does that happen with a yeah. real narcissist? Well, it's because so that, like, it's yeah, the, the very like the the condition is a defense strategy against the things that actually yes. get you healing. Right. Yes. Yeah, you can't. I, I just find that, that the most fascinating thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's notoriously extremely difficult to treat, and there's usually not a willingness to get help. So could, could... I don't know if you've heard of, uh, so... or I was just going to say, like Doctor R- Doctor Romani on, uh, she's a famous YouTuber specialist mm. in narcissism. No. and she says um, she's treated one. She had one a narcissistic client who or client with narcissistic personality disorder who knew that they had it came for treatment for that and in her experience it was like a a years-long process with very incremental shifts and this person was like highly committed to change and it's really difficult to treat like with the other i wonder about under reporting sorry yeah i wonder about under reporting like if there's Whatever the uh, stat is on, like how how much of it exists, I'm like, well, immediately I would think it's more, right? Because yeah. people are not going to seek help to be classified and diagnosed. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't and have to look too far. Yeah. <laughs> to see, I don't. Okay, so I'm maybe not NPD cluster B, like diagnosed DSM five, whatever. I'm talking like real hints of narcissism. Maybe you can differentiate yeah. that uh, a little bit, but like I, I see, there's I don't have to look much farther than you know, some people like, are, like, I don't have to look too far to see hints of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know what the statistics are. It it might be something like 10 percent. It might be, it's relatively high. And the, like, there's a spectrum too, right? So there's like the DSM diagnosis, but then there's also like narcissistic traits. Mm. Right. And, you know, a lot of like, everybody has a narcissistic ex, right? If you talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost like overly like, you know, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's interesting, like my supervisor said this to me recently, which was a good reminder. She was like, because I was talking about uh, a couple's therapy interaction I'd had. And she was like, you don't know that this person is, if they're just like that with that individual. So, you know, there mm. may be some context in which certain narcissistic traits come out. 
but that person isn't maybe they do have a capacity for empathy and introspection and self-reflection and like one thing that I like talk to clients about who have who've been victims of narcissistic abuse is like this this individual can't step outside themselves to care about you or empathize with you like it's their their reference point is is all self so because people ask like do they ever love me do do they care but why did they do this why did they act like this why did they because that person is self-focused like they're only really regarding you in a maybe a transactional way right yeah Yeah. have some utility exactly yeah and you know what can yeah, or the I think child, I, like the yeah. child, I guess I've I've heard it being like an extension of the self. The child is seen as an extension of the self. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a representation or like a a way to get. So there's this idea of narcissistic supply, which is, um, you know, needing others to sort of bolster that false self, that image, and so you need people for that um like enablers admiration yeah enablers but it's like you know somebody who's going to like uh reinforce the image i've constructed of myself so i can protect mm. against that that core shame so you know my partner might be i don't know maybe i don't even really interact well with my partner but maybe they're uh you know a a status symbol or they elevate my status in some yeah, way yeah. you know like the politician that has to like have the elegant wife and be married you know regardless yeah. of their actual relationship um with one another so yeah like this and and often this is the uh, the, the attachment that keeps a narcissistic person going back to a relationship or using certain manipulative strategies to keep somebody in a relationship with them is to gain supply mm. yeah really <laughs> <laughs> This is just too close to home. <laughs> yeah. Are you being vampirely? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, do you can we touch on a little bit like what this could translate? Because we did like the DSM definitions. Yeah, yeah. But like what does this actually translate to how this how this leads to different interactions? Like so for me personally, uh there has been a lot of self-centeredness and when someone doesn't get their way they will literally throw tantrums even though they're a grown-ass adult yeah um there is a complete denial about any time if they've ever contributed anything to the problem a hundred percent denial to their deathbed um they will manipulate the situation and depending on who they talk to they'll kind of have a slightly different story because they try to like dig into each of their personalities and the relationship dynamic they have with them um and they have a really great way of just gaslighting mm-hmm. just just it's it's a full-on denial and I understand where this has come from because of certain traumas that have happened and then this person never really went and sought the help years back and said internalized them and then became a lot of what happened to this person um and then some mm-hmm. and then went into narcissistic so I don't know even know if this person was born this way uh, but there were traits a long time ago, and I think it's just gotten worse and worse and worse through the years. Um, mm-hmm. but it's what it's wild because, mm-hmm. like, a bunch of us will be in the same situation, and then the, the this the the narcissist will say something to us, and we're like, "That's not at all what happened." <laughs> but then you start questioning your own reality. You're like, and maybe I'm like, yeah. am I remembering you wrong? Yeah, right. And they're like, "Did did we actually do something wrong?" And they were like, mm-hmm. "No, we didn't." We're like, "Why is this reaction so remarkable?" For the circumstance, but it feels like everything seems to be a threat to their ego. Everything, everything, yeah. and they take yeah. everything very personally. And you're kind of like, it's not even about you, like at all. But you're going to make it about you. But everything um, is about them. Everything. Right? So yeah. it's uh, and a lot of gaslighting, and it's re- mm-hmm. and it's really tough. So like, that's the picture of narcissist. Uh, the the narcissist. The word origin, right? Is the that's the guy looking in the mirror at himself. Narcissist. Right? Nar- yeah, narcissist. Yeah, narcissist. exactly. Like, the Gre- Greek or Greek, something. probably a Greek god of some sorts. Who I was. Yeah, like, he, he was, was like, looking at his reflection in the mirror in yeah. admiration of himself, and then fell in or something. And then he fell in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So he, yeah, I think, and he was kind of this grandiose, like beloved, like everyone loved him. You know, mm-hmm. he was like the god of the gods. Um. And then I think, didn't he wrong Zeus or something? Something like that. Yeah, but it comes from this Greek. Yeah. 
but yeah so like a lot of manipulation like that's I guess like you know you could look at it I mean it's we like to look at root causes as NDs but when you're dealing well and we'll talk about like how to kind of deal with it later like it, it's not always yes. helpful to like because if you're an empathetic person and you you hear about this core shame thing you're like oh you know yeah. like oh you're really hurting <laughs> and like but you're you know you there's off there's often transactional like relationships are transactional they're not you know about like reciprocation and empathy and sharing and like true love in the sense that you would probably define it and so there's a lot of manipulation in order to like in order to preserve that that defense structure which sounds like we all have defenses like we all have defense mechanisms you know like we can all do these things at some point or another but like when I think of a defense structure I think of sort of like a thin veil where like behind it I kind of know what I'm up to you know like I kind of know what I'm bullshitting or you know like like I know (laughs) what the I could I could probably identify the actual feelings driving my like denial or whatever Mm -hmm. but I think in the case of someone with NPD it's really like the the defense is is armor thick that core shame is like really well hidden and it's like they might never access that in their life right and so they're like they're engaging in all these tactics to try to to you know to keep that armor up and so that might look like a lot of manipulation like you can they're never wrong you're the problem you know gaslighting projection you often yeah. might like this is like a classic one is where people will be like you know their partner will be like, they'll be in a bad mood that the the narcissist will be in like a terrible mood just like you know when someone's just emanating like bad mood and bad vibes and so the other person will kind of react to that and then the narcissist will provoke them they'll get a reaction out of the other person and then be no, like see you fault. ruined christmas yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. why'd you have to ruin everything you ruined christmas it's like you know, so there's this projection, this like, you know, you're you're being blamed for everything. A little bait um, and switch. It's pretty. It's pretty. Nice. It is. Bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's it's. They basically call out everybody else as doing basically what they're doing, but okay. they blame everybody else for the pro. Like, yeah, tons of projection. Yeah, so it's like you're because there's this lack of self aware. Like, in order to become aware Probably, of projections, I'm gonna, I want to stop you there because you, you, I, I wanted to stop you before, but I'm just interrupting too much. I had too much coffee, maybe. <laughs> Um, as he takes, is... as he took a sip of Starbucks like three seconds earlier. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, but so what you said is the um, it's something how you say like they don't know there's this. You said something like they're not even aware that there's this uh, shame yeah. underneath. And my struggle with that is that I maybe I get too philosophical, whatever. But I'm like, they must know though on some level. So knowing maybe that maybe you don't what maybe it uh, calls into definition to know what kinds of knowing because they must know yeah. on some level because they keep fucking doing it. You, right. Like, sorry, yeah. you got to say, but I, <laughs> but like, if you didn't, if you actually, um, <laughs> we're all getting heated in this combo. <laughs> it really hits close. It really, hits yeah, yeah, like, totally. You know, because well, we all. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I, and I've seen a couple in clinic recently too. Like the part of it, I've seen a couple, uh, actually a couple, uh, couple guys, nice guys that were in in clinic, and and the the amount of manipulation that these empathetic guys went through and stayed stoic, like stoic, good guys, and then they come out and they're like, I don't know, it got, it just got me thinking. It's probably out there more than we than we mm. thought. But the the thing I'm getting is they must know on some level of their being, whether it's very, very, and this is your realm, Talia, I don't know, like to know subconscious, conscious, I don't know, but they know on some level, otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they must, are you saying like they must know, which is why they keep trying to protect themselves with such behavior on like some level, yeah, the like behavior the, they tells keep you the they guard know. up because uh, they already know on some level there's shame. So they have to keep it up to not show that shame. Yeah. Right. So is that what you mean? I'm kind of, yeah. Like you wouldn't do it if you didn't think, if you didn't know on some level, oh my God, there's this like little person inside of me behind this grandois emperor with no clothes on. Yeah. And that that's also, I mean, it depends on the, on the, on the narcissist yeah. or mm-hmm. on the degree of MPD and like on the, on the individual, like off, the mask can fall 
and like I guess it's it's also like you know this idea of self-awareness and like what do we actually know about ourselves right like if I'm in the fridge eating cookies mindlessly mindlessly like I could start to turn my attention towards the need to do that or the shame or whatever you know is driving that behavior but that could take some practice and work so someone might know like they might be in touch with that core shame more and more but it may just feel like rage or like I'm mad because of the projection too like it yeah I might just associate you with Mm -hmm. bad feelings and it's because you're you're you know screwing up you're ruining Christmas Dave (laughs) like every time I hang out with you on Christmas or anyone else but also you you know it's always terrible so it but there's it's actually interesting because there are there's a guy Ross Rosenberg that talks about like a researcher um that talks about like kind of the stages of the response to being broken up with or the narcissistic breakup and one of them is like you know playing the victim and there is also and and like oh like revealing your traumas and your pain and so like the mask kind of does slip away when the supply is being cut off and then but then the person I mean the goal is to get it back up because it feels terrible like even in the process like if a person with NPD is trying to heal like the healing process is horrifically painful it's you know it's usually involved like if they're going through that process at all they'll probably be like years of deep depression you know worthlessness shame um so there there's a huge incentive to just get the mask up and to not I don't know. And I, I'm sure you see this in your practice. Like when people start to develop awareness, there's like this drive to change. Like uh, oftentimes we're scared of awareness because it sort of invites change or action. So um, we defend against awareness. And part of the defensive strategy is just to avoid awareness at all. So like right. the person might be aware on some level, but consciously aware constantly of like probably not. But they and they're probably not consciously like, oh, I am projecting in order to no avoid this shame. I don't think it's yeah. And um, I think what you're saying with the victimhood, I think that's just a manipulative tool. At least that's from my yeah. personal experience. It's like using that as a way to pull at someone's heartstrings so they can kind of continue to keep their latch on that person, so mm-hmm. that that person can serve their ego after with comfort or whatever. That's how it's played yeah. out personally for me. The victimhood. That's a that's a big one too. Yeah, it's not necessarily like really feeling. Yeah, and there is a there is a subtype of narcissism called covert narcissism, which is an interesting one to dig into, which is like the the perpetual victim. Like, but they're almost like special in their victimhood, you know? Mm. And like this is kind of maybe like the energy vampire archetype, you know, the person who like you're trying to help them and you're almost drowning with them. They invite codependency for sure. And you're like helping them, but they're never grateful. It's never good enough. Like nothing works. And I mean, a lot of us can get into that state. I mean, the victim mentality could occur to like anyone, but there's, it's like a, like a personality subtype. Covert. Um, Covert. Yeah. Covert or vulnerable narcissists. It's called. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, this has been so like so far, like we've, we've kept it pretty uh, higher end, but what I've seen, uh, like I've seen a couple of like maybe shorter like clips and, and it was like hero, victim, martyr, hero, victim, martyr. There's like th- these cycles that they, they're they sort of being one of these four things all the time. It's a little, I mean, it's a more TikTok friendly oh, thing, yeah. but like, have you, have you heard of that kind of thing? Like hero, victim, martyr. What's the other one? That there's like a cycle. And yeah, there's like they're one of those <laughs> all the yeah, time. And it, and it is... can, yeah. I mean, there is like the communal narcissist, as I learned about from Dr. Romani. I don't know how official this is like. I don't think these are like official subtypes. I think they're just like what people notice. But like the right. communal narcissist is like the, I like give so much more to charity than any, like the virtue signal. Yeah, like yeah. The person, who, you know, I'm, I'm so like self-sacrificing and like, but then they're horrible to their, you know, dog or spouse or. Um, right. You know, or they're not really, they're, it's not really about helping others. It's more about this, 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 uh, image that you have of being the person. Yeah. 
<laughs> do we go there? No. <laughs> no, we don't go there. That's funny, Michelle. We can't share. But that that, that is the uh yeah. I mean that is like we Sorry, guys. can think of people in the public sphere who have that sphere. Who have that sphere, uh, yeah. There's there 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 are various yeah public personas who I feel emanate that, especially mm-hmm. with the virtue signaling. I'm just kind of like, stop, you don't actually care. Yeah. The, the, the fake empathy, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. empathy, but it's not. Actually... I am the most humble. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's spending millions to change the name of the street, but not oh. actually address the, the underlying, like, oh. the, the real, like the real suffering that people are living day to day that could be, be solved if we like turn our attention to or at it. least about, sup- yeah 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 exactly or it could be addressed or 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 uh touched you know like could mm-hmm. um yeah it's but it's not even it's not even about what what they do it's more about like this is i want everyone to see me in this way you know i am this kind generous mm-hmm. person look at me look at mm-hmm. me giving money to uh the you know, the homeless, but then as soon as you turn your back and no one's watching, then it's like, no, it doesn't, um, they no longer care about this cause. What about, um, contributing? So one or maybe both of you brought up trauma and the more I study things about trauma, the more I'm looking for tools. Actually, I've found some uh, interesting tools recently, which we can talk another time about, but trauma contributing to the etiology or, or the, the life story that leads to a kind of narcissistic reaction is, is that like a thing? Because we, we know trauma has like a, some impact probably on amygdala and, you know, limbic system. Mm. And I would imagine you look at anyone with narcissism, there's probably something unique about their little amygdala. Um, yeah. And, and so, cause like fear and there's so much fear and so much like, uh, it's just ruled by their Same. limbic system. Yeah. yeah. And all, all that sort of stuff. So, is yeah. is there a kind of like, uh, like, are you born like with maybe you're born with a propensity or a, a sort of constitution that maybe, you know, given the wrong events, it turns to this? Or do you think because you said something about across the lifetime? Is, yeah, is this like one of those, like the nature nurture. I think it's I think I mean, there's no actual numbers, but I think it's like 80 to 90 percent nurture in that it's like made versus. Born. Yeah, OK. So it's, so a it's behavioral usually like adaptation. trauma. Yeah, like like a a childhood of like attachment issues, like invalidation, um, being made to feel like you're nothing, possibly abuse, mental, emotional, physical abuse that that creates that core shame. That's so painful that you have to like build an entire persona to defend against it. Um yeah. What about almost the opposite, Tally, as a, as a as a plausible thing too? Like, what about if your parents tell you you shit wonders and fart miracles, right. and everything you touch <laughs> is like fairy dust and rainbows, and everything you do is amazing? Like, yeah, yeah. like there's there's you have never done anything, you know, anything that could be amounted to anything other than a miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's another yeah. So it could be that you've been like treated like you're absolute garbage you know and you're you're absolutely worthless and nothing or the opposite but like even that right like you you fart miracles it's like well you on some level as you're developing kind of know i mean it's not like the entire world is reinforcing that back to you so it's it's kind of just building that false self you know and mm-hmm. uh and sort of creating this sense of like i can't really be my true self and vulnerable because some sometimes i just fart farts yeah yeah <laughs> sometimes they <laughs> oh, exactly. just think you know and like we all know that but like so you kind of know that that's like you're you're having your false self built up by people who are um involved in your development so yeah like there's still that it's still that results in that core shame but yeah, I mean, because you think of that, that's not like really an authentic, um, balanced, sort of like resilient upbringing. It's Mm-mm. it's based on this grandiose delusion that you're like perfect. And it almost, yeah, yeah, from like a mythological sort of perspective, seems like there's none of the healthy masculine archetype in there saying, you know what, you're all right, yeah. but you could do better kind of thing. Or that's like, right. you know, that that kind of healthy, like, 
Uh, you're not a you're not an infant anymore. You're not just a you know. We gotta say okay. You could okay. You're good. You're good. But like you know, <laughs> work hard. Be better. And, yeah. Yeah. Be but the, nice. the classic one, like I like you. I just don't like your behavior. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Up, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that differentiation of like you're still a good person, but yeah, you like you know drew all over the walls and ruined everything. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, yeah, there's usually a, and often like, you know, there's probably like narcissistic parents, like that's, that's common, at least in my family, like all the narcissists I know in my family, uh, they're, they're it's like a, that family lineage has a, like a trajectory. And yeah, some people were treated like they were nothing and others were treated like they're like perfect. They're so beautiful. Everyone's jealous of you. That's why they're criticizing you. And, um, it still leads to this narcissistic def- defense structure and really bad behavior. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of legal, just, a lot of lawyers. <laughs> I just did, um, I just did, uh, like while we were chatting, I put in a bunch of homeopathic rubrics oh. and, uh, the one that comes up highest is like a podium, which is funny because, oh. I'm, there's like a I think it's uh, one of the homeopathic materia medica has little rhymes or or like little parables or little uh, like cool little tidbits of wisdom to sort of like sum up the remedies sometimes and uh, the one for lycopodium is the loudest drum is full of nothing but air <laughs> and I'm like man that that seems about right because at the core of this like outwardly grandiose gangy ungrounded untethered you know i am the most amazing thing on earth is actually emptiness yeah yeah yeah. like you know so you get the big bloated gassy stomach and like a podium yeah is about like uh you're like really mean and, and aggressive to your subordinates but then you're like scared of like authority figures i remember that mm-hmm. yeah like a podium could... is full of nothing but air that's yeah the, that's the little one for uh-huh. like podium i like it yeah mm. And then, anyway. yeah, which might take us to boundaries, right? Because it's like this, um, you know, to reveal that the drum is just full of air is going to like you're going to get some pushback from the like a podium character from the narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so boundaries is how you deal with somebody who's who's got NPD, but. Uh, it will result in you getting pushback. Tell us how to deal with yes, please. Yeah. So the yeah, I mean boundaries is the big one, right? It, it, like, but like part. So a lot of it is like when working with somebody who's like dealt with, you know, been betrayed by someone with MPD, is involved with someone with MPD. It's like helping them with their like putting their pieces back together, right? Like um dealing with their often like you're gonna have your core shame activated right especially because like if you're being projected onto um by somebody who has a lot of shame you're gonna feel shame right it's like you're you could interject especially if you're empathetic and and care about that person in in, for whatever reason and in some way um you're going to be like feeling that shame constantly because of the criticism, the devaluing, the, um, the discarding and the dopamine loops of being love bombed. And after you've been discarded, hoovered back in so that you can become a new source of narcissistic supply. Hmm. Um, so the boundaries is, is important. And like, and often it's like our lack of boundaries uh, or difficulty with boundaries, our people-pleasing tendencies, our codependency, you know, our anxious attachment styles that have led us to become entangled or abused by narcissists. And that's, it's often like one of the stages, like it's not the first, we don't like jump in like, hi, nice to meet you. Okay, let's talk about why you got yourself into this situation, right? It's mm-hmm. more like, this is something that comes up in therapy. Usually the question is like, okay, I'm ready now to like investigate my my relational patterns that might have left me susceptible to this dynamic. And so working on boundaries is really important, which is ultimately boundaries are like saying no, right? Like knowing where you end and the other person begins and and the word no reinforces that. And it, it 
it involves a lot of like checking in with yourself, like recognizing your internal cues, what you want, what you need, your sixth sense of, you know, intuition about what feels right or wrong. Uh, I talk a lot about the emotion of disgust with people. Like when we start getting in touch with our feelings of disgust, they can alert us to something being wrong. I mean, disgust is an emotion of like, you're contaminated, get away from me. You could harm me, get away. It's not so much fear, right? It's more like I need to, and it's not really anger. It's like, I need this person. I I want to put a boundary up between me and this person. And so a lot of, a lot of therapy involves like getting in touch with that feeling. Like, when did you feel disgust? Like what, what, what specific actions or things kind of led to that feeling? How do we like let that feeling be louder and help inspire you to create a boundary? Um, and then there's a technique called gray rock where essentially you're just giving nothing in the interaction. So if you have to interact with somebody who you know is a narcissist or, or even someone manipulative, whether they're a narcissist or not, is just approaching them in a very stoic, non-emotional, you know, you're not sharing anything personal. You're not, you're kind of putting up a wall or a boundary you're answering like one word questions, like just transactional matter of fact, mm-hmm. like in and out, um, you know, yeah, no emotion. You're not revealing anything about yourself. How are you? Fine. Okay. You know, sign on the dotted line, like just like very, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and, and that could be really difficult because if you, if you're like that, you're basically cutting off supply. And if the person's used to getting supply from you, they they might try to manipulate you and get a rise out of you, you know, to see some emotion from you, to see some a- attachment from you. And so it, it does take like a lot of prep and like, um, yeah, just uh, even like visualizations of things can help you stand your ground. But even that image of like gray rock, like if you like imagine yourself just being made of stone, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like everything that you laid out, great. (laughs) But I can say from personal experience, I'm going to swear it's fucking exhausting dealing with a narcissist because you have to do so much extra work. And if you're an empath, like I have someone who's an empath and they deal with a narcissist in our life and they're just kind of like, it takes me like 48 hours almost to feel like myself again after dealing with them. They're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. And, and the fact that you have to do all this extra work just to engage in interaction, it's, it's honestly exhausting. And like, yeah, you have to learn how to like protect your energy so that you can, if you have to engage with this person, you somehow do that, but you're right. It does require some intense boundaries and you touched on something and you were saying like, it's, I mean, this is what I'm trying, I'm getting from this conversation too, is that it's almost futile to try to explain to them or help them understand because you're never going to get that validation back. Like never, like never. So why bother? So you really just have to kind of like, do your own guard. My only concern is if you're constantly having to deal with a, with a narcissist, does your guard become a different problem after you haven't always put a guard up. So that's where I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, if for, for people who are dealing with people who are narcissists, they may never get work or help, but I suggest you do and get yeah. support with a therapist so that whatever guards you have to put up with this person do not become permanent issues for your own self-identity and, and mental health and emotional well-being. Yeah, get yeah, get into therapy. Go to a therapist. Like su- support is so important because like, you know, when you're being like it's so helpful to have two people to corroborate your side of the story because even if you're the most like I don't know, cognitively sound individual when you're being gaslit, if you have any shred of empathy, you're like, "Oh, like I mean, like in any interaction, it's always worth it to like check in if you're the problem, right? It's like, well, maybe I am the problem. And so the, like just that amount of vulnerability or checking in with yourself, like it leaves you open and and really vulnerable to somebody who's not doing that at all, you know? Like that person is like, yeah, you're the, pro- okay, yeah, you're, the- they're, they're looking for any in to manipulate you into thinking mm-hmm. that you're the problem, your, your version's not correct. So 
having support around you, having people to just like reinforce and help validate you uh, is really helpful. And yeah, like, yeah, therapy for sure to, to pick it apart, even like psychoeducation of what a, what a narcissist is, because people will still ask questions. They'll be like, wait, so like, did they ever love me? And, and we, and, and, and sometimes too, just like you want to, um, say your story and go through it over and over again, especially if you feel betrayed or you're having trouble, your, your trust mechanism is broken, you know, like you were essentially abused mentally and emotionally, maybe even physically for your, and your empathy was taken advantage of. So it's, you know, your natural ability to trust, like your willingness to, to have a reciprocal relationship with someone so it's really damaging, you know, and, and yeah, it is exhausting. And it's, and I saw this quote, it was like, you know, I, something about like when your boundaries are stronger than your empathy, it's like, you know, you could, but it's still kind of like putting up a dam, you know, if you, you want to have an exchange with someone, like you want to play a game of tennis where you're lobbing the ball over the court. You don't want to just like sit there and be like, yep, great. Okay four o'clock tomorrow like you want to interact with somebody and like laugh and like let your guard down and with a narcissist you can't really do that and they're not they're not playing they're fair. almost like it's like they they're playing the everyone else is playing the social game with social sort of norms like you, you said <laughs> tennis right okay I'll, I'll let's go play, we'll play tennis i'll in the lines and, the, and they'll come play with you and when it's in the lines on uh on yours on their side it's fine but on yours on their side doesn't matter and no it's it's like it's they just don't play by the same rules and because it's right. like a default almost pattern of average person i would say to normally play by the the rules we've decided as primates that are okay but they can always just sort of switch it from that and then and then claim that you're not playing the rules if there's any it's just yeah it's just a it's almost like um in a really like nice and compassionate sort of well, some people would say maybe we're not like that, but generally like we're fairly tolerant. I would oh, things are changing. God knows what, but like it's better to be alive <laughs> now an than intros- it was. Introspection. <laughs> it's better to be alive now than two thousand years ago. If anyone thinks it's so friggin' bad now, they should have been alive two thousand years ago when everyone's just clubbing each other over the head and raping right people. You and get taking, stoned to death. Yeah, for- like. Come on, it's not perfect. We know it's not perfect, but trust me, it was better. It's better now. So, generally, everyone can play by the rules. And in in this society where it's like, oh no, we you know we caution, you know, give them the benefit of the elder mentally, whatever. It's like, man, they can get away with shit for a long time. Whereas, like, if this was a in the hockey in a hockey game, they'd get beat up. It's like accountability, right? It's like we have a society that sort of rewards narcissistic behavior. That's yeah. Point, I get, you thank know? you. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Really does. But I think like accountability is an important <clears throat> thing, right? It's like, it's not so much about like, I don't know them being bad people that need to suffer. It's more just like there's an, a, there's an accountability, you know? And it's like that, that what was that parable about the, the scorpion that asked the frog to take it across the river? Yeah, yeah. You know this one? Yeah, he's yeah like, I know the one you mean. The scorpion's like, it bites, the it bites the frog halfway across. Yeah, and then he's like, what do you expect? I was, I'm a scorpion. I'm a scorpion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you like, can't expect something different. If someone shows you your colors, believe them. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, and that's something I've told my dad <laughs> is that it's some, it's, it's not only not, playing by the rules but sometimes like somebody with a personality disorder will like take you will take themselves down with you so, so they might do something to their own detriment that it so it really doesn't make sense but in order to preserve that structure like there there is like a level of sabotage sometimes so it can be really confusing because it's like well we're both crossing the river and if you sting me we'll both drown and then you get stung and you're mm-hmm. like what well i'm a scorpion so yeah i mean and like the the legal system, I think we talked about this in our text message exchanges. There's not enough awareness about narcissistic personality disorder, and so often like lawyers will become triangulated, and triangulation is another manipulation tactic of like bringing a third person in to create more drama and chaos. And so lawyers will often be triangulated between, especially in family therapy or in family um, uh, family courts. Um, 
the, the like the, the lawyers and the legal system will be weaponized against people by narcissists and there's not necessarily like awareness of that uh or maybe mechanisms within the legal system to prevent that from happening yeah mm-hmm. so yeah that's where people are like embroiled in expensive and drawn out battles and you think the other person also has to pay but it, it might be worth it to them to defend against core shame to win whatever that means for them um yeah tough people it's yeah. tough and you know just I, I find that it's a struggle to um see that broken person inside uh-huh. from personal hard experience. to see this. yeah I, no i i see oh yeah this person is a person mm-hmm. who just has been broken and beat down over and over again yeah and mm-hmm. i i understand that their behavior is coming from a place of trauma and it's not me and this is where i'm doing my personal work with a therapist and with someone to realize that it's not personal and that it's not about me it never was about me all the bullshit they spew at us and they do to us and they manipulate it's not even about me so it's i think that is the part that's helping me kind of come out of this um mm-hmm. as well but I do genuinely care about this person. They're an intricate part of my life. And I, and I, I, I'll go to say that I actually very much love them. However, I don't like them. And I'm finding that mm-hmm. to be the most difficult thing. And there's this weird push pull between being empathetic to the fact that I see this broken little child inside. Yeah. It's like screaming for help, but doesn't know how to get out of their own way. And then mm-hmm. everybody is a casualty in that. And yeah. you're just kind of like, how do I, how do, how, how do I still like, I don't like you, but I, but I love you. And I see that you're hurting, but you're also now hurting me. And I don't deserve that. Like what, the, how do you, it's such a weird, it's the weirdest dynamic. Yeah. It's such a mind trip. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, it's hard when you're in a relationship with them. It's kind of like, I mean, addiction could be similar, right? It's like, you could, you could love the, the person you see on inside but the behavior is destructive to yeah. them and to those around them. Yeah. They, but they're not necessarily aware that the behavior is destructive to them. And they're maybe not at a stage where they're able to change. And the narcissist may probably will never get there to that. Like, I want to actually change and, you know, um, and yet, you know, how can we sort of love them, but, but also protect ourselves from those behaviors, but also understand that like, you know, we can't change the person. Like there's also that desire to like heal the person. Like, oh, if you just went to therapy and spent a year talking about your childhood, this, you know, you'd be good, you know, but that, and and this conversation happens a lot with people who are still kind of in a toxic relationship where they sort of see the way forward for their partner. But, you know, ultimately, yeah. Like how, how do we, put the focus back on ourselves and what we need and and yeah maybe it's minimizing interaction with them or just really strong boundaries what like people sometimes are like oh how do I know if someone's a narcissist like especially in dating right like I'm on a date with someone and they're really charming and they're love bombing and how do I know if this is real or if they're like they have a personality disorder (laughs) and um (laughs) so one of the tips is like you could like, you know, try and like uh, get deep with the conversation, like, ex- you know, look for vulnerability and see if like, is the person willing to be vulnerable or comfortable with vulnerability? But another way is to, to uh, you know, put up a boundary, say no to something small and just see how they react. Mm. And, you know, so you're not going to get that from their Tinder profile. You'll have yeah, to exactly. Like, just yeah, FYI, if, if guys. Say, yeah, you need to have <laughs> meaningful engagements to suss these things out. Exactly. Yeah. If they're, if they're saying like, oh, like, let's do the, or, you know, they're kind of like trying to control the situation. You say no. See, like, how do they respond to that? Like, are they? So if they question mm. why your friend gave you a book on boundaries, it's probably a sign. <laughs> if they do. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Boundaries are hard. Boundaries are not because there's a thing with empathy, right? It's like your tendency is to like 
be curious and like put your hands in the other person's like experience like yeah. what's the other person feeling I can feel what you're feeling I, I see your hurt I see your pain I see this scared little child I see you know and how do we have that experience while protecting ourselves like the permeable membrane like how do I how do I you know decide what can Comes come in and what, in what yeah. stays out yeah like the gut permeability like i need to sample my environment yeah. cell to membrane. educate my immune system yeah cell membrane it's, it's semi-permeable <laughs> but every now and then yeah <laughs> tally is there is there a happy ending to the to the interaction with a narcissist or is it just an ending and it's, that's happy laugh because i'm just kind of like oh is is there a shred of light at the end of this tunnel I you know? know that's what i'm feeling i'm like shit like a happy yeah. ending seems like just if you could end it, if you could end, because it's, it's, that yeah. almost seems like the best that we'll have. No they, contact. Yeah, because like, that's why yeah. I got some name, like, you know, you're Sylvain. I bet you think this podcast episode is about you. Yeah. But it's not your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, but they all, the, the, the people that will be interested will be not the ones that need it. <laughs> No, a lot of people will ask, like maybe I'm a narcissist, you know. But then if you're asking, if they're asking, they're probably, probably aren't. Yeah, exactly. they might have some tendencies, but they're not a true narcissist. Exactly. They're not DSM five criteria based narcissists. You know, in in dealing with narcissistic abuse, when you're starting to learn about those boundaries, when you start putting up boundaries, you feel like a real a hole. You feel like a narcissist because you're like saying no to people. And, you know, but you're feeling their pain and you're, you feel bad about it. You're dealing that's, oh, that's the thing too, is often in putting up boundaries, we're going to feel guilt and anxiety. Like it's probably going to be really just, this is why therapy is also really important too, is like, how do you, how do we work with those emotions that are inevitably, inevitably going to come up when you start reinforcing boundaries, right? Like you're probably going to feel shame. Um, You're probably going to feel anxious, guilty you know, maybe heartbroken, you know, so yeah. And so yeah, how do you deal? I mean, yeah, some of it, I mean, I guess even in the boundaries is this idea of like our expectations, you know, it's like, I know the scorpion's going to sting me. So I'm not going to carry it across the river. So I have to like learn how to say, and they're really going to beg and, and, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you arm yourself against the psychological warfare mm-hmm. and the manipulation? How do you like gather supports around you? To, because alone, it's really difficult. Um, how do you learn sort of not to go with the, to them for the type of support you need from an empathetic person who wants to engage in a reciprocal I- interaction with you? Um, yeah like yeah what yeah I guess a lot of it is like the 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 journey there's a lot of introspection in it and a lot of like work on self-love and processing betrayal um yeah and like and then you know you start talking about your own parents and like your family and like what might have led you to this dynamic and and uh and a lot of it too is like people walk away from it being like well I'm unworthy because this person treated me so badly but it's so part of it is to learning about the condition helps you understand it it's not that I saw a meme and it was like you're asking like why you were um why you're vulnerable to being a victim of a narcissist and it's like well they are manipulating everyone so they just came into contact with you you know, mm-hmm. and so that it's not necessarily, per- like you said, Michelle, not necessarily personal. Yeah, It's that this person is, uh, happens to be around you, you know, or happens to be interacting with you. So they're just going to, they're going to possibly try to manipulate everyone. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Happy has ending. to be like a, a level of like, self-care I think there has to be a level of Mm -hmm. acceptance that this person may never be the person that you ever hoped they would be for Mm -hmm. you that's what I've come to understand is like I just have to accept that this person in my in this relationship that I have won't change Mm -hmm. incapable of changing at this age and stage of their life 
um, mm-hmm. based on what I've witnessed and the patterns that I've witnessed over and over again, but it's not personal. And to try to just do my work so that I stay resilient and not take on baggage that doesn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the only thing you can do when you're working with, when you're dealing with a narcissist is try to find some level of acceptance that this is who they are. Don't expect them to be different mm-hmm. because then you're just hurting yourself. <laughs> yeah. And then do your own self-work to make sure you're good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, just, I mean, reinforcing boundaries, it's like a one word thing, right? It's like a one, like throwaway piece of advice, but it's like a, uh, kind of a lifelong journey, you know, it's like, what does that even look like? How do I, you know, and that might change as you strengthen that's that core sense of self, right? Because yeah, there's often, there's often a lot of like shame, toxic shame that emerges like after dealing with a narcissist it's it's kind of contagious and you as an empathetic person are probably going to wear their shame and feel it more than they do because you don't have that same defensive structure that they do you know so you know you're like yeah I am kind of an asshole for not letting them I don't know steal my lunchbox (laughs) whatever you know (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah I don't, Uh Dave, Dave, I don't think, I don't know if there is a happy ending for the narcissist, but there could Mm -hmm. be a happy ending for the person on the end, but you're just going to have to do the work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, I don't even know if I rephrase that right. I don't know if there's necessarily a happy ending, but I think possibly finding some level of peace amongst this is possible. Mm -hmm. But peace, you have to be willing to put in effort to make sure that you stay resilient, you heal, you don't take on stuff and you learn to accept and and create realistic expectations about situations. And that's all you can do. Cause all you have control over is yourself really at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to grow from it, I guess. I mean, yeah, you can't, you look back and, and go, well, you can't really do anything about it. Um, if you're entangled from, you know, other stuff that's a different that's a whole other yeah that's a whole other issue but I think you learn um, that's maybe where gray rock comes in if you have to have interactions then you keep them very yeah just Mm -hmm. superficial stoic you know Mm -hmm. to the point just the facts ma'am yeah just but that that piece is a word that always comes up in like in the recovery process right it's like is it happy i mean because have like is there happiness for the nurses well yeah like they're living they're grandiose they're the best they're superior it's amazing totally. like for, the next for them, their life thing, is great shiny thing yeah so that's that and that can be really difficult if you're recovering because you you might see signs of them being happy quote happy but maybe the end goal or the word that comes up a lot is this sense of peace you know because that's not what you have when you're dealing or entangled with somebody who's who's narcissistic right you're on a roller coaster you're um you're ruminating you're fixating you're obsessing you're going over and over things you're second guessing you're dealing with trust issues with anxiety you have shame you have depression like you're not feeling peace but then in, at the end of it as you go through the healing process yeah this sort of like calm acceptance of like and this sense of like integrity and self-awareness in your own being is maybe the end the happy ending as opposed to like you know yeah like I don't think it's almost like you'll, you'll never be the same after interacting with somebody like that because you'll never fully your um your requirements from other people in order to have that same level of trust will, might be different you know, you might have a more guarded approach or. Yeah. And that know. might be okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, you might've needed that. You might've um, needed a shake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I really, you know, I think I feel sorry. For, I still would feel sorry for the narcissist in a way. I know. And, um, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like I get the hell out of my life you are a scorpion and you're taking everyone down with you, but I also feel sorry for you. 
yeah it's a weird paradoxical sort of thing it's, yeah it, it really is a trip guys it really is a trip and it's all hard. you can do is just protect yourself yeah right be a narcissist yeah it's hard it's like yeah like well i guess even like as a but clinician that, but that, right like yeah having boundaries and empathy like you know if you have a patient or client calling you at all hours and like you know they they're not a narcissist but they're just they're they really need a lot you know i could still yeah that therapeutic relationship right it, it's like there's there's it's boundaried but it's still full of all the empathy mm-hmm. so is there a way to like contextualize or bound the empathy up in a way that like doesn't suck your life force from you mm-hmm. yeah, i think that they maybe they teach us you know they teach us about boundaries that there's a healthy amount of boundaries you don't want to have a leaky gut of a soul yeah you know and yeah. uh yeah so thanks narcissist for <laughs> yeah teaching us about boundaries just have a moment of gratitude for the narcissists and the Thank lessons you, we have learned from you. Uh, without but, narcissists, we wouldn't need boundaries. Just like but without. in all, but in all fairness, like there's always going to be people. There's always going to be challenging situations. There's always going to be stress, and there's always something that you can learn about it. There's some way to grow from it, and I guess these interactions are also another tool for you to yeah. start to really find out who what you're made of, who you are, and become an even more resilient version of yourself. And maybe that's exactly. what the purpose of this all is, and that's the silver. That's the happy ending. Yeah. It shakes up. It shakes. If you have, which many of us do like issues around self-worth, toxic shame, it like shakes that all up to the surface. You know, if it's like, it's like mixing the sludge up to your uh, immediate awareness. So it it leaves you a lot of material to work with in therapy <laughs> so <laughs> for the betterment of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And this idea of self-intimacy, like all of these like themes that, you know, I don't know, might my generations prior never never worried about but these ways in which we can like you know self-actualize uh improve live more peaceful and happy lives maybe it is yeah a a healing opportunity like a way into healing just like chronic migraines alerts you to your leaky gut and then you do gut healing and then you're like oh my life is so much better now my knee pain's gone well, this is the most organic goodbye I'm going to do because my grandmother's here and I have to go. 